Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show, broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it is broadcast continuously for 15 years. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at tracyhotchnerpets.com. I'm also the founder and director of the annual New York Dog Film Festival, which travels the country supporting local animal welfare groups after a New York City premiere every October, alongside my annual New York Cat Film Festival, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's. This show would not be possible without the longtime support of Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food, remaining privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards. This show was also made possible with the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their cats. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative dog chew, no hide, and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky Weimaran or Maisie will eat. I am so happy to have Lynn Hightower come back on the show. I think you've already heard me rave about her book, A Beautiful Risk. And in a moment, I'm going to do that a little bit more because there just aren't that many books that you want to tell your friends and your friends' friends to read. And if you have a reading group, go, oh, my God, we should all read A Beautiful Risk together because there's so much to talk about beyond the thriller aspect, beyond the detective part of it, beyond the woman and her dog against everybody element. It's just an amazing book about loss and grief. And Lynn, I, I wanted to have you back because I saw that you also now have a column in Psychology Today on the topic of grief. I do. And yeah, and that's a yeah. pretty that's a pretty interesting thing for a fiction author to have the privilege or the invitation to do. I assume it grew yeah, out of your book, which is so yeah. compassionate and deep about grief and the loss of somebody yeah. and what it what it does to us and what it means to us. How did you come to yeah. have the column? Well, um, you know, my publicist uh, said, write some essays uh, if you want to. Let's see if we can place them ah. um, on grief. Uh, because I'm so opinionated about it, because I went through it. It's one of the reasons I wrote the book. The book uh, was like processing it, you know, when I was 
I was walking behind my character while she dealt with it, thinking, oh, right, I'll do Aww. that. <laughs> That's really my opinion. <laughs> it's a weird thing, isn't it? Very. And so um, I, I really, so I wrote two. One about writing um, about a character with a hearing loss, which is exactly the one I have, and so I'm out of the closet with that. And then one about, I know, it's been such a secret, I'm so silly. Um, and then one about... It's a really wonderful thing they don't tell you about grief, and, and grief is so very hard, but they always tell you that the connection is gone. The person is just gone. That's just not true, and, and when you think of that, you're just in such despair. And when you realize that, well, I love them, and it's not like we can go out to dinner, but I, I feel the love coming back to me. I feel a presence sometimes. And so I wrote about you know, one of those um, amazing things that happen when you're grieving where the person you love shows you the connection. And and to me, that's how you get through it because you're like, well, it's, it's, it's not over. It's just different, even though it's quite hard. And the character in the book has yeah. lost her in, in a, a very violent, dramatic way and an inexplicable yeah. way that she wants to get to the bottom of, has lost the man she loves. And the dog yeah. is who was her dog when she was with the man becomes yeah. her main touchstone to everyday life, to feeling safe when she's clearly unsafe because whoever right. did her lover in has clearly has her in his sights too. Did you exactly. lose the, the man in your life in in that violent of a way? No, it wasn't a violent way. It was a long illness. Mm -hmm. um, and the strangely cool thing about it, which shocked me because I didn't expect it, was um, how we, we, it was just he and I and the dog, and we just shut the door on the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had this small, beautiful little life. And, um, the last year was one of the most romantic years of our marriage, and that wow. absolutely shocked me because uh, we were just so close, and you just can't live in this fraught uh, horror every moment. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of this ongoing knowing that things are progressing. Um, and then it just, in a way, all that becomes mundane, and you set it aside, and you're just like, well, you know. I mean, I might have to help you eat your dinner, but we can do it by candlelight. Right? Nice, that's lovely. Yeah. Yes, and the and the book, it, it, I think it stirs up in someone reading it both the, the, really the edge of the seat of the story, which is invented obviously out of whole cloth, although very carefully researched about tunnels Thank in you. Europe yeah. going through mountains and and terrorist attacks, and somebody right. getting caught in the middle of that, which is the woman's lover, right. but. I think it, it it's interesting because losing somebody, and I want to say somebody, for some of us, it's a dog or a cat. Losing them suddenly sure. with no warning, I don't know, is that more horrible than watching a dog or cat or a fellow human slowly get Ill, more ill or more in pain or slip away, but we have time to process it. And I wonder if since you now write this column for Psychology Today, right. that has to be something right. you've thought about because you had mm -hmm. the candlelight version of, oh my goodness, this is you know a really disintegrating mm -hmm. human. Yeah. 
but we're going to keep mm-hmm. our dignity and we're going to squeeze every bit of love and juice out of this that we can to the end. Or that sudden phone call, this person that you might have, the last thing you might have said when they went out the door was, hey, your socks aren't matched or something, or <laughs> you forgot to fill in the blank. Now right. they're gone. Right. What do you think about that now that you are, you have become a kind of specialist in grief? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> but I, I guess what I see myself as um, someone who uh, found a path to survival, if if that would make sense. And I would, you know, be happy to say, listen, this is how I did it. It's one way to go. Okay. Yes. Um, so I, I actually did talk that over with a couple of therapists because, you know, when my husband was ill, I said, well, you know, I'm doing all this. I'm such a high achiever. I'm doing all this pre-grieving. So it's yes. when yes, am I doing happen, it right? Am I? But I, I no, I'm even more ambitious. I'm like, am I going to be like three steps ahead in this grief? Oh, I see. Right. Yeah. You get ahead of it. And, and it won't hurt he as much. Says, yeah, I know. I, you know, there was a while when I was deep into the grief Olympics and, and I had to learn that you cannot fix grief. And it was a big relief because the Greece Olympics is a miserable place to be, believe me. Yeah. Um, and and uh, and what he said was, no, there are two griefs. There's the anticipatory grief, and and it doesn't change the impact of the actual grief when someone eventually does die. So basically you go through two. Uh, the only thing, and I don't think... I think it's just almost impossible to know which is worse. You know, my mother died unexpectedly, and that was um, horrible, and I wished she was so lovely that, you know, I hadn't dodged her last phone call because I was watching something on television. Yes, yes, exactly. Something that mundane, right? That mundane, you know. And and so I just don't think either one of them is much fun. You just have to face the one that you're in and find a way to live with it. But even but the, the main thing is, is that grief is going to have the same effect. You're going to have that blistering clarity. You know, you look at your life and go, oh, well, I don't want to fool with any of this anymore. And you right. don't. Right. You know? And, um, and I guess I was watching my husband let go of things. And I started let, letting go of things, too. And that's, that's an actual superpower. So that was the advantage of going through it. It's almost like we went through it together. And I had him helping me through those stages. So that was good. That was helpful, very much so. And, you, and you've had people respond to your Psychology Today column, which is a series of essays, really, with these thoughts. Yeah. I think it's important. Yeah. You know, there's so many things on this show that come up because our attachment to our pets is so intense and so Mm -hmm. abbreviated because their lifespans are shorter than ours for the most part, that I think that sometimes while we can learn something about the human-to-human issues that we wrestle with and, and, and juggle, that the ones that happen with pets can can we can learn something about that from the ones that that happen with humans? I mean, I think it goes both ways, in a sense. And it goes both ways, and the grief is just as deep with humans or as with pets. I don't think that it's easier with pets. They're your family. They're your heart. 
And uh, the, the hard thing about that is some people don't get it. But those are the kind of people you can just say, yeah, you're out of my life. The outside people, those who have never lived The outside it. people. Yeah. <laughs> the ones that. inside the kind that. of pet-loving community yeah. totally get it. And it's only yeah. been in recent years that grief over pets has been respected by psychotherapists, by grief groups, right. by other people, right. even in some cases by jobs where they give you bereavement time. It, it just depends on the circumstances, of course. Somebody with a very right. busy life and multiple humans in their life and several careers and lots of pets, it may not be as glaring as someone like you that had you, the human, and the dog, and now it's you and the dog. So, right. and it's, Being the it's dog against the world. Against <laughs> the world, which, you know, a lot of us often feel about our pets. So what kind of what kind of response do you get to the to the column in psychology today? Uh, I got um, I got a note from someone on my Instagram page, and um, let me read you that because it it um, you know it it really um, it it really had the effect that I wanted it to. I was so grateful that she wrote because it was like Asi, you are who I'm writing for. Yes. You are the kind of yes. person that I'm hoping to just say this is how it was for me. Maybe that'll help you to know. Right. Right. So what she said is, I just read your article and I wanted to say thank you. Your last paragraph hit me hard and gave me so much comfort. I recently lost a loved one and have wondered if I was imagining the magical moments of connection. Thank you for sharing your beautiful, vulnerable moments and helping me understand how to live with my grief. Sending you love and a big hug. How lovely. Well, you know, when when I had the pet psychic on Cat Chat at once once a month, the the first Wednesday of the month, it was on Sirius Live for seven years. The phone system mm-hmm. blew up a couple of times. People were so eager to talk to Anne Marie. And she was yeah. able to connect them to the extent that anybody believes this or can wrap their head around it. It's hard for me. I'm such a literalist and non, mm-hmm. um, you know, non-crunchy granola type. But she would right. s- would get messages from people's dogs and cats and get mm-hmm. a sense of how they were and where they were and gave people so much relief and comfort to know that in some way the dog mm-hmm. or cat was okay, which is... Mm-hmm. Kind of odd because we could tell ourselves that anyway. And there's so much guilt about the way people leave this life and the way our pets leave it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's that we didn't take our mom's call, we said to our husband, God, I hate when you leave the toothpaste top off, right? Yes. And then they die. Yeah. So, you know, right. and then you think, oh, there's all the things I could have done and should have done. And with dogs and cats, we think, I should have given them a steak. They were like, you know, getting old. Why did I only yes, feed them dog food? Cook them a steak. You know, all these things that always we want to throw that ball. Say, yes, <laughs> to say to ourselves and yes. don't push the dog away or be annoyed when they, they're barking at something and irritating you when they're really yes. just being themselves. And I, I want right. to thank you very much because you incredibly generously bought copies of your own book, A Beautiful Risk, and have put them in the gift bags for the filmmakers coming to the New York Dog Film Festival. And I'm very sad you can't be there, but it is Sunday, October 22nd, and we do have 10 filmmakers flying in from all over the country. Sometimes it's even all over the world. Our Australian filmmaker who's who's in the... the, uh, the festival, she's sending her sister because she's in the middle of getting a doctorate in 
psychology or filmmaking or something. She's so cool. But she's going to, her bag is going to go back to Australia with your book in it. So I want to thank you for that. It was really generous of you. And I just wanted to think of what could I give them that would be something to keep them company on their train or plane or bedtime on their, their, their trip home from having seen their film in the film festival. So I'm hoping more people buy tickets. It's early. It's early days, and it's not until October 22nd, but I just want to tell people that the filmmakers are very lucky they're going to get a copy, and I hope that those of you who hear about this book and and hear Lynn as an author and as a person will be intrigued to get the book. And the Pooch Party, I didn't ask you to give us copies of your book for the Pooch Party because there's only, well, there's only like 40 tickets left out of the 50, but it's the night before at Boris and Horton <laughs> Dog Cafe, and there's really good stuff in the doggy bags worth a lot more than the $50 ticket, which goes to Muddy Paws Rescue, and a green carpet with a step and repeat, and I'm going to do a costume competition because the next week is Halloween, and people might want to try out their Halloween costumes, either theirs or their dogs, depending. Oh, my God. So I think it's going to be really fun, and I wish you could be there, but I know that you will be there in spirit. I I hope that that this wonderful character in your book will go on to be in another book. She's great, and she survives her guilt by not trying to deny it or, you know, jump off a cliff herself because the early stages of grief, one doesn't really want to be alive. Is she in? Is she in, in the next book? I have just uh, started a new Junie Lagarde book. I've got three chapters. Wow! And I'm, I'm putting together a pitch. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed. I've got that. I so I've got that going because, you know, I love the character. I love the dog. Me too. And I Me love too. Grant. I love the way they are together. They're just really cool. It's like a modern day Rin Tin Tin Lassie. That dog is like, wow, we all need a dog like that. He's like so tuned in and so protective and yet so loving. And he knows what she needs emotionally and what she needs in terms of the way German shepherds do protection from the world. In her case, she needed a lot of protection. I just want to say I really think that, that your book is greatly delightful and great entertainment, but also it's very deep. It has really deep, important ideas yeah. about grief and loss and how we how we can get through that by by acknowledging it and living through it. So Lynn Hightower, you've done such a good job with The Beautiful Risk, and I know other great books are ahead for you. And I hope, who knows, maybe another great love will be in your life. And it might only be a dog, but it might be a human. <laughs> and either way, you deserve it. And you've given so much back Thank to so you. many people. Let's put that out in the world. Out in the world. <laughs> Just let's bring it. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here and for for your generous contribution of your books to the filmmakers. They are really going to love it. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the show. There's a few more special companies that make the show possible, and I hope you'll try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. I want to thank Wonderside, founded by a woman entrepreneur who discovered an effective natural way of using plant-powered products to repel fleas, ticks, and other parasites on our pets instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes it possible to protect your pets, children, and property without the chemicals that could be harmful to all of us. 
The show is also underwritten by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human edible, ethically sourced ingredients and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and answer only to their own high standards. Finally, we're supported by Magic Fabric Pet Throws, developed by a husband-wife team whose expertise in the textile industry solved the problem of their big hairy dog, Molly, who got on the couch in bed with them, despite her wet fur, muddy paws, and shedding. Sound familiar? They created machine-washable Magic Fabric Pet Throws to trap pet hair, dirt, and moisture, letting you enjoy dog and cat cuddle time without sacrificing your clothes, furniture, or decor. You can buy direct from the creators at magicfabric.com. 